0: We're ready jan go for it
1: well then i think we are ready you know then I all right I think we're on I the air huh jan i well i think we're gonna be in a moment i think, I <laughs> well, think there you are at, you're on the air now, i see we that live the red light live. is flashing we're here all right hey everybody welcome to the sound broker mastermind roundtable where a bunch of like-minded industry professionals get together to share uh, tips trip whatever we have so that we could survive these tough times today we have a very special guest uh, from Washington DC Nancy Schaefer she's out of Washington DC and normally we you know normally we'll just talk about a bunch of a bunch of different things but because Nancy's in the room and she's on the East Coast and she's got I don't know what she's got to say but she's got a lot to say but she is not only the board president Whoa, what happened there? Whoa,
0: board president of the...
1: Uh, what's going on there? Somebody. Somebody sent It was sounds a cliffhanger. News, it was a cliffhanger. A... It's a cliffhanger. <laughs> Come on, Jan, close it. It's a cliffhanger. I can't find what's going on. There's something going on here that I can't It's all good. Out. It's
0: all good. Okay, well, that's right. Jan you. is not an engineer. Do you need an engineer,
1: Jan? <laughs> I don't know. You know, every time I'll tell you. I'll we know a few every time i do this you know we stream using restream and i've taken out the i've taken out the past shows so that when i go to restream that it doesn't it doesn't do what it just did but it just did what it just did again where it starts playing the old show so right. uh, let's go back to where i was uh, if i could remember we'll it
0: edit is. this when you re re yeah
1: i don't the editing? What are you talking about? There's no editing involved. This is live. All right, you are this is introducing live Nancy. Television. You know that's, that's <laughs> in Washington. That's basically what it is. It's live. And There's a thing called the Live
0: Events Coalition. Yeah,
1: this right? is it. And the Nancy? Live Events Coalition. Now I can't even get to where I want to go to my and notes because uh, oh some my reason gosh. my notes shut down there. You, you have so notes. I'm, I'm <laughs> totally. Hey, Mike. Welcome. Now. Totally unprepared, but okay. God, so we're, don't we, we know we, a meeting Nancy, producer somewhere? Nancy, you're in the room. She's out of Washington D.C. She's she is not only the board president of the National Live Events Coalition, but she's also founding member of the DC Events Coalition, and is actively involved with policymakers, bringing diversity and quality for all into our industries. And not only that, in her spare time, uh, I don't know if she has spare time, but she runs Bravo exclamation mark events and she's done it for the last 23 years and she's of a like mind of us because she's here to help people survive and get through these tough times so let's uh, welcome nancy into the room and nancy thank you so much for coming and uh, hey why don't we why don't you what did i leave out
2: look all i know is guys this is the best way to have my last call of the day because i have never smiled this much Um, I feel like I'm adding a little estrogen to the group, unless there are people out there that are some women, so it's nice to have a little representation, Um, but I will tell you that my, you know, every tech person I've ever worked with are some of my favorite people because you take real good care of me, and you always make me smile, so thank you for having me, it's a pleasure, Um, it's an, an interesting and odd day that we're all enjoying, um i'm not sure is it martin that's over in the uk because it's 11 o'clock at night dude
3: yeah i'm i'm watching the results and it's a monumentous day 214 trump and 253 it says for biden
2: we're now at 64 you're a little behind all right and i imagine
4: that just updated that they only have 75 percent reporting and it's less than nine thousand between the two. But you
3: um, still have a big, you still have a big legal challenge to come, don't you? By from what we're hearing over here, they've already filed one. Yeah.
5: Well, Crazy.
1: what a hell biter <laughs> You know, I was talking to a friend last night, and he kept he kept texting me and calling me and i said hey man shut the tv off shut it off by you watching it won't change a thing i promise you so today i tried not to watch any tv at all until just before here but i have a friend in the room peters in the room peter is with relativity travel and uh and so but he he's also very active into uh, politics and he's been keeping me in the loop even though i keep saying peter stop i don't want to know i don't want to know you know (laughs) Well, but let's go this, back to Nancy. With this I,
6: lawsuit, I, I, are to come up with a new hanging Chad phrase?
0: <laughs> it's going to be, you know. Not watching it, re- Jan. Recount, it's just like not a watching a game.
7: Browns game, you know. Oh, yeah. The outcome is going to be the outcome.
1: Yeah, the outcome is going to be the outcome, and then we'll we'll see. But, you know, here's the interesting thing is, is that both sides basically thought it was going to be a blowout. And and what we're finding out right now, it's anything but a blowout. The Senate was supposed to turn; it didn't turn. So there are so many things that we have to readjust in our thinking, of what really is going on in America and how we could best adjust ourselves to that. So you know, that's where we stand. And I, once again, to quote Peter, if Biden does happen to win, then in two years two years we'll be voting again and then uh, in two more years after that we'll be voting again so we're, we're voting every two years and eventually somebody will get what they want right now we all have to compromise i think and and that's the best thing to do so nancy going back to you. Uh, tell me what's going on over there in the live event. You know, first of all, tell everybody about the live event sure. uh, coalition sure. that you got. And also tell us about the the DC event, because I noticed that there was a lot about diversity and women. And as you could tell from this room, we've got a lot of testosterone in there. But no matter what I do to invite women into the room, uh, they seem to have other reasons not to attend, whatever the reason is. And I've done everything that I could think of other than offering them money to come into the room, you know, pay for their, you know, pay for them for their attendance. But the reality is, is it all kidding aside, I want to be more diverse in what we do. I put this out. And so take it from there and tell us about you and what we could do to get more diverse.
2: Okay. That was a lot for me to now be able to follow. But let me give you a little bit of background about (laughs) the Live Events Coalition and the DC Event Coalition. So the Live Events Coalition was founded by a gentleman by the name of Isaac Rothwell. Um, He has an audiovisual company out of Chicago, um, kind of Indiana, called Digerati. And back in March, he Woke up to the same thing we all did, which was the lights got turned off, and was overwhelmed and frustrated and confused and scared, like we all were in this industry. And he decided he would write a petition and he put it on Change.org. This is my um, PSA: Do not use Change.org. Do not give P- do not give Change.org any money. Um, he went to sleep, he woke up, there were 10,000 signatures. Fast forward to today and there's close to a half a million. They refused to release any of the emails. So we have none of those emails or any of the money that was collected. Um, So I'm a little anti-change.org. But neither here nor there, what ended up happening was in all sorts of places, both from a national standpoint, but in all of these different states, coalitions within their own states began because It was like, oh, my God, where am I going to work? What am I going to do? You've shut the doors on me. You've turned the lights off and you keep calling me hospitality, which doesn't make sense. And you keep thinking that I'm a restaurant and that as soon as you allow 50 people to dine in a restaurant that our industry is going to come back. Um, So there were other states that created coalitions. One of them was D.C. Um, And the DC event coalition was actually started for a somewhat different reason. There were just seven of us that got together and it was really just to be able to support one another and just say, holy crap, what are we gonna do? What does this mean? Help people find where there were local opportunities, try to digest and understand what PPP meant, what EIDL meant and what any and all of those new things meant. But at the same time, we also had reached out to national and at that point, I was asked to participate in the national coalition, kind of on the, kind of in the organizing committee to just kind of have another voice. And what ultimately happened was is that all of these state coalitions have been created. We have about twenty to twenty-two, um, and they focus on state legislation and the things that need to happen in each of your own states, while national, as the national entity has engaged a lobbying firm, and our objective is to bring the voices of the live events industry under one umbrella. Um, As you mentioned, Jan, I've been in this business for a long time, and I was always perplexed why there wasn't one place that we could all go, whether or not we were planners, producers, caterers, sound engineers, lighting engineers, concert producers, anything, Um, and There wasn't we were very verticalized so you know you could join all of these different organizations but as long as the world was happy that was not a problem and in March the world wasn't happy anymore and so what ended up happening was is that there wasn't a voice for our industry to not only help us get relief but also to build awareness, to get people to understand that when they arrive at an event, whether that's a concert or a gala or a meeting or a wedding or a bar mitzvah, you arrive and it's done. As a guest, you walk in and you're like, wow, this couldn't have been that hard. They have no idea what it takes to set up or install something. Um, You know, Oh, well, that light that went up there, that can't be that hard. Oh, the sound it sounds great i'm sure it wasn't that hard to make sure that that all worked there's no knowledge or understanding of what we do um as you said i've been at this for almost 30 years my family didn't even quite understand what i did they're like what i, I don't understand how hard can that be until i wasn't there to produce a family event and they went oh that's really hard and i'm like mm-hmm. so the, the purpose for the live events coalition was to build awareness Some of you may or may not have seen, we built a bunch of empty event activations around the country where one of them in DC was on the National Mall and we lit it red and it was just empty tables and a a stage and signage that basically said 12 million people and $1.4 trillion worth of GDP and you don't want to pay attention to us. Something is wrong with this. Um, And those kind of went around the country. we have actively lobbied on behalf of all of us. And when somebody says to me, what is the live events industry? My response is a live event is you bought a ticket. You were given a ticket. You were invited. Your boss sent you there. That means that that's a live event. Doesn't matter what it is. You go, it's live. It can be three days. It can be two hours. It can be a day. And that All of us, though we have different verticals, it takes all of us to put together an event. And that's the other part. Somebody said once, there's no other industry where it takes a team of different types of individuals to make it come to be um, be, besides construction. And I use that always as an example when somebody says, well, oh, you're a caterer. And I'm like, no, I'm not a caterer. I'm a planner. But I will give you an example, which means that really I'm a general contractor. My job is to hire everybody, bring them together as a team, and that's how we produce it. So because most of us are small businesses, larger businesses, 1099, W-2s, there's this mass of human beings that produce experiences, but we do it as a team, which is somewhat unusual in other industries, to say the least. So we have built an organization with a board. We started membership in July. Um, We are at about 1,500 actual members. Far more than that are actually involved. Um, Our objective and our goal for long term is to be around long term. This is not a COVID response. This is to be that organization that will support the live events industry unfortunately the next time something like this happens and i think now that we've all lived through a pandemic we all pretty much know that this is in some form or fashion is going to happen again and how do we make sure that our industry is represented but also understood because i think that that's the other part you know how many times have we all heard oh they just don't want to get off of unemployment because they're making more money on unemployment not. That they don't understand through the surveys that we've done that the average length of time somebody has put into this industry is 20 years. Some more, some less. They don't understand that a sound engineer, a lighting engineer, a video engineer is that. It's an engineer. It's someone who's got control of everything and is going to make something come to life. That this is not something that I can go tap somebody who's just getting out of high school and says this would be fun. And I've DJed my, you know, holiday parties. That this really is an industry of highly skilled, highly professional individuals. And that unemployment is not going to cut it. And it's not what we want. You know, Jan and I talked yesterday. This is not an industry that you go in because you want to be really, really rich. This is an industry that you go into because you're passionate about it because you love what we do, because we love to create experiences. To this day, my favorite thing is to stand back when the doors open and watch how people react. And when I don't get that excitement, that's the time it's time for me to leave the industry. I still get giddy. I I joke, it's my jumping out of an airplane. You'll never catch me jumping out of an airplane, but this is my adrenaline rush. (coughs) So the, the Live Events Coalition's mission is to advocate and provide resources and support for the live events industry, relatively simple. Advocacy is not so simple, (laughs) Um, but it's critical and it's important. And I think a whole lot of people in March had no idea what that was. If you lived outside of DC, you didn't know what that was. You didn't understand how this game is played. Um, you know we've learned that basically it was four people that decided that they weren't going to pass follow-up bills that they don't understand why restarts important or PPP or extend PUA
6: mm-hmm.
2: So we've engaged as I mentioned a lobbying firm excuse me they call themselves a creative advocacy firm lobbyists don't like to be called lobbyists anymore it's a bad word so they call themselves government relations or advocacy firms. Um, <clears throat> And we created a communications plan early on called Wish I Was There, which was to basically help people understand that we just wanna go back to work. We've spent all of our careers hiding behind the curtain. That's our job. Our job is to be invisible. And unfortunately we've done a really good job of it. And now all of a sudden we had to step out from the curtain in a position that's not really comfortable for most of us and basically say, you have to look at us, you have to hear us, you have to understand that our dilemma and our industry is different. That bringing in 50 people in a restaurant or being able to give takeout food while we love our brothers and sisters in the restaurant industry, that's not who we are. If we turn the lights back on, it's still gonna take us six months before we can get something up and live. In addition to that, we have to build confidence. Um, I'm looking at Sean with his mask on, because I'm not sure where you are, Sean, but you, you've you got your mask on, you know.
7: I'm in uh, Kentucky, if you know what I mean. I'm, you know, I'm going to keep this mask
2: on. Yeah, keep that mask on. That's probably wise. Um, but, you know, it's, it's this dilemma when people say, well, no, no, you can just have an event. And you're like, it, it doesn't work that quickly. So everything that's been canceled in 2020 Then we look at it and you go, okay, you're gonna reschedule it for 2021, but what about all of those conferences and concerts and exhibitions that were already scheduled in 2021? We're gonna run out of staff. We're gonna run out of venues. We're gonna run out of a whole lot of things. So we spend a lot of time writing letters. We spend a lot of time setting up calls and time to speak to elected officials. We support our states to help states speak to their elected officials and Remember, it goes from the mayor of a city to the governor of a state, to a state legislator, to a federal legislator, and everything in between. Um, but the key is what is the economic impact that our industry has on your community and in your individual community, as well as the national impact. People ask me where we get our numbers from. And you know, I'll be honest, we've cobbled these numbers together because there isn't one bank that says we have X number of employees and we make X number of dollars. So that's where that $1.4 trillion came from and the 12 million employees. I personally think that's low. The ecosystem of the live events industry is massive. Um, So, you know, I joke, this is the hardest job I've ever had for the least amount of money I've ever had. And I'm honored and humbled that people trust me to do it and you know my husband says you get so upset with what's going on and I said Stephen you're in construction he's an engineer so nothing's happening there you're building there's cranes all over the District of Columbia I'm talking to people who have lost their livelihood I'm reading articles or quotes from people that say I've had my business for 40 years I sold my house and I moved in with my in-laws and I have two months left Um, it's hard And I think that part of what my personal job is is to make sure that everybody understands that you're not alone and that we're fighting and we're not gonna give up. And that in my mind, the silver lining to this is this. There's no way that I would have known you guys or you would know me. So that to me is a silver lining that my world has expanded and gotten smaller all at the same time um, but I also hope that what happens for us is, is that there's a newfound respect for our industry. Because I think there's a value and worth challenge that we have had forever and ever and ever. That's easy. That's not so hard. Anybody can do that. Just show me how to push those buttons on that soundboard. I can do that. Not. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. Exactly. I just watch him. I'm like, what's he pushing? Okay. Sounds good. That's all I care about. Um, So, you know, it's, it's a really scary time. Um, It's a really hard time, but our industry is type A human beings. We are, so I'm, I'm, this is my mug, which is called, it's an event warrior, if you can see it and an event warrior it's been in the dishwasher too many times someone who solves problems you never knew existed in ways you never knew possible see also badass magician champion it's what we are um that's great I, I i'm i'm happy to put in the comments where you can get your mug or any other event warrior um swag um but it's It's how do we come together and support one another? You know, we're all competitors in one sense. And I think that at this point, we're not. We're all in that same boat you were talking about, Jan. um, And the boat has holes in it. And right now we've all got our thumbs in those holes to try and keep ourselves afloat. I'm
1: Um, looking at it a little bit differently right now before we open it up to questions too. But, uh, you know, as far as it, we're you know, we're basically all on the same body of water. I used to think we were all in the same boat, but right now everybody's in different boats. Some people are on life rafts, some people are just in life vests, and we're, we're heading down this river. And what we don't know is 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 there's going to be a waterfall in front of us and all the boats are gonna be destroyed or whatever. So that's where we stand right now. Um, just an FYI, everybody, I put the links to Nancy's, uh, the coalitions and her company in the chat, or Tina did that. And so um, I would like to open it up to questions. I'll start. Uh, you're in Washington, D.C. Now, it's my un- understanding that if you're in Washington, D.C., you can go see your own representative. Uh, they have open, open meetings for representatives. Is that true or not?
2: In normal times, that's absolutely true. So normally what happens when you advocate and you're lobbying on behalf of your own cause, you do what we call fly-ins and large associations will have advocacy days where they will fly in members and they will all go and see on the hill, up the street from me, they'll go see their representatives. Because of COVID, many of them are not here. And so those fly-ins are now virtual and you're having calls, but in non-pandemic days, you absolutely can get an appointment with your elected official. If you're here visiting and you decide in advance, I'd like to see my Senator. All you do is in advance, you call their office and say, I'm a constituent of Las Vegas and I'd like to come see my Senator and I'll be there on X day and they'll give you an appointment if they want.
1: Now, how often do you go see your congressman or how often do you, you know, I mean, as a lobbyist right now, how often are you are you pushing that envelope to 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 say, hey, man, like, for example, the stimulus package, there should have been another stimulus package. Mm -hmm. And what are you hearing on the inside?
2: So there's two things. Um, I unfortunately actually live in the District of Columbia and my business is in the District of Columbia. So as our license plates say, we have taxation without representation. So Eleanor Holmes Norton, who is my senator, has no vote. So for me to go see anybody is worthless. But in context of what you're asking, we have sent probably over 10,000 communications to elected officials around the country in the last seven and a half months, eight months, in each of the states. Some of our state coalitions are more active, so I have ones who are talking to their elected officials on a weekly basis. Um, Bennett and Young, who are the two authors of the restart bill, um, have ongoing conversations with our Colorado coalition, who talks to Bennett and Young on a regular basis. Um, It's about relationships. It's no different than how we conduct our Our business and how do we keep and maintain our our clients Um, so we've done things such as a twitter campaign we've done the actual fly-ins which used to be the the advocacy day where we've scheduled meetings and actually had conversations sometimes with the actual elected official sometimes with a member of their staff um, which sometimes is better because the members of the staff understand the bills better at times than the elected official does. Um, In terms of where we are, um, as I alluded to when we first got on the call, I literally just got off of a call with our advocacy firm, which is called Subject Matter. And we are, as of tomorrow, whenever it is announced that Biden or Trump, whichever one wins, I have my own personal hope, that we go into something called a lame duck session. And a lame duck session is pretty much that. It means that whoever is currently sitting in office has about 45 days to 60 days max where they can pass bills or not. We anticipate that there will be a bill that will be passed It will most likely be part of the government funding, which I believe has to be passed by December 11th. Um, Many of you have heard of, so there was the Senate bill that McConnell wanted to push through that was for 1.9 trillion. And then there was Nancy um, and the House's bill that they wanted to pass, which was 2.2 or 2.4. We anticipate that there will be a stimulus package in that more 1.9 range, maybe possibly lower between now and January when the new administration, whether it's incumbent or not, takes over on January 3rd. And at that point, there will be additional relief packages that are passed. Um, so there's it's like there's a Band-Aid to help us all survive between now and January. And then there will be an additional um, stimulus package slash packages that will we hope get pushed through.
1: Very good. Okay, let's open it up to the floor. I'm sure people have some questions for you. So, uh, who would like to ask Nancy a question? Sean, the, were you raising your hands, or are you just waving? I was just oh, that waving. was me waving my hand. I was All just right. waving. Uh, no questions. No questions. All right. Anybody have any questions other than? Anybody going once, going twice? Right. Oh, Ken Newman.
0: All right, I'll be the first one to ask you a question. So the main question is, and I think it's what everybody wants to ask is, what can we do to assure that you know that we get some kind of stimulus thing, some stimulus package passed, and that it affects us so that we get some influx of cash? Because I don't know about everybody else, but I haven't had any influx of cash other than unemployment checks, which are dwindling and really low in, in amount. Uh, and so what can we do?
2: Okay. So there's a couple of things. Um, one is that I will ask you to join the live events coalition and I will put in the chat, the the membership. I put the link
1: in there already. It's already in the chat.
2: Um, that's number one. Um, and number two is once you do that, I want you to become active in what we do, which is sending the letters and reaching out. The thing that, that is important to know is there will not be what we call carve outs. And we really don't want to carve out. A carve out is what um, many of you m- might have heard of the Save Our Stages Act, um, and the Save Our Stages Act was a bill that was put forth to truly just focus on stages, and and venues. The problem with that is is that it says you get this much money, and that's your money, and once you take that money, if there's something else going on over here, you really can't access that because you've been allocated a certain part so what we are pushing for are three primary things the passing of restart which is for small businesses the extension of the PPP with the ability to reapply for PPP so even if you were granted PPP the last time you will be able to reapply and be granted additional PPP money as well as the EIDL loan um, and on PPP, there's still a lot more forgiveness going on than there is in the EIDL, but the EIDL loans are at you know little to no interest rate. So people call it free money. I'm not sure I call it free money. I have to give it back. Free money is more PPP where I don't have to give it back. Um, and then we're also pushing the extend PUA. And that is the Pandemic Unemployment Assurance. And that is where the extra $600 that many of us got early on would go back into force. Um, I'm not sure what happened here in DC, but I know I got a weird bump all of a sudden and I had to call somebody and go, did you get this too? And they said, yes, there was some FEMA money apparently in DC that they distributed differently. So some states can do that as well. Um, but you know, the, the key is to make noise. And so that noise is we have on the website, you'll see a you join campaign where you can go in and actually fill out just your name, your address, your zip code, and it will send that letter on your behalf to leadership and elected officials that basically says, I am one of those live events industry professionals. This is my story, you need to help us. Um, and so you want to keep yourself knowledgeable um, and know that we are looking for as many resources as we possibly can at this point um, to to help people um, and to make sure that we survive. Because Ken, you're not alone in that so many people are trying to survive on what none of us can survive on. Um, so does that answer the question sufficiently?
8: Uh, pretty, pretty
2: much. Okay. And, that, and we're constantly coming up with, with new activations and new plans. Um, there is a, <clears throat> a big push. I don't have all the details um, that we're going to support with the We Make Events group um, that'll go out on the 10th, um, but it's really just to not be quiet, to stand in that position that we are all really uncomfortable with, which is in front of the curtain. Yeah,
1: it's interesting you should say that because of, you know, all, for all my entire career i've always worn black so nobody would see me from the front of the house you know so we're always we're always wearing black and we're always trying to hide away from the public you know because we want the public to think that this is a magic show you know this is all magical it just happens you know the, the band arrives the event's there it's just poof it's there for you there's no work involved it just and the and the The more that the audience feels that it was just there for them, the better the environment and the better their experience. And that's the whole job. You know, as I always say, nobody ever talks about the sound unless it's bad. You know, so, you know, that's the only time they're talking about the sound if it's bad, you know. Yeah. And so our job is to be invisible and yet give them the best possible experience that uh, we possibly can. And that's what we do. And that's why we're all professionals. And we all love what we do. Um, anybody else have any questions or for Nancy?
5: Hey, Nancy, this is Chris in Florida. Uh, Nancy, I I read something today that live events of all sizes are going to be opening up in Palm Beach County. Uh, What's the, what do you get feedback from around the country from different sections?
2: Your Um, state is an interesting state, sir, I must admit. Please. Please. (laughs) <laughs> no, it's okay. It's Look, Governor DeSantis decided that he wanted to open your state. So poof, he opened your state. No masks, no nothing. There are no COVID compliance requirements of any sort. So the short answer is, yes, you are open for business, 100%. The challenge with that is, is that, yes, you're open to, for business, but I really do fear, I actually checked it um, Bonnie Fimiano is in Florida and she is um, on our board and she is our membership chair and so I know a lot about what goes on in Florida through Bonnie Um, but the challenge is and I keep checking your rates because you've been reopened now for I think about a month maybe three weeks since DeSantis came up and said
5: depending on the municipality
2: correct (laughs) Ken is floating his Florida man um, phone cover. <laughs> um, so the municipalities keep changing um, and this is where it gets complicated and Martin's gonna understand this. I'm married to a Brit so all of my in-laws are in um, the UK. So, and they think we're crazy as I'm sure you do. But we have 50 states with 50 governors, God knows how many counties, God know how many cities. And everyone can do what it is that they want. And so the challenge that we run into, unlike Martin, who's about to go on lockdown, if he hasn't gone on lockdown yet until December 3rd, they've shut down all the pubs, they've shut down everything. I have very unhappy brother-in-laws. Where everything's shut down. There are, it's one person made the decision and said, this is what's gonna happen. And we're gonna close you down so that we can protect everybody. Unfortunately in the US, That's not what has happened. And so what may happen in, was it Palm Beach County? Did you say Christopher? Correct. Yeah. Yes, they've opened it. Yes, you can go do it, but what does that mean? One of the things that I think is really important for our industry and really important for us because they've basically put this on us. They've said, sure, go ahead and go do it. But if somebody gets sick, does that come back to any of us? So it's really important that as an industry, we have to make sure that we're really knowledgeable about what our COVID compliance is. What does that mean? What does that look like? What does that look like for us? What does that look like for our teams? What does that look like for the client and their guests? I talked to my COVID compliance person today who said that she was asked to do a virtual event. And she said, okay, what's the compliance? And they said, oh, nothing, the the staff will, you know, the crew will all wear masks, but we're not asking anybody else to. And the response was, but but what about the client? No, 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 we're not gonna ask the client to do anything. It's either fear, and I think that that is where it comes from. I think that there's this fear that our clients are all gonna come back to us and say, "We're we're not gonna do that. But if we say to our clients, we understand how to do this, we understand what the compliance is, we're gonna help you do this. And yes, it's gonna cost you a little more money, but your option is a little bit more money and have a compliance officer on site at all times, or we're gonna get shut back down because the cases are gonna rise again. Um, so they've put us in a really difficult position. Um, I know that there was an event in Orlando, It was last week or the, the weeks are truly running together. It was either last week or the week before, and it was with Connect. Um biz and they it was one of the first that had ever happened. Um, they followed a lot of protocol, and there was a letter that came out that three people three days afterwards tested positive for COVID, and yeah. they played by the rules. So um, we're have, we're
5: seeing that there's a lot of uh, clubs here in Miami that are having to submit plans to the commission, to the mayor to get permission to reopen. Uh, and they've done that. And of course it was restricted hours. It was until like a midnight curfew until somebody decided to do a rally that started at midnight. And then, you know, that blew all that out the window. So, um, you know, it's, it's changing from city to city. So it's, yeah, you know, there's no way to police it because the the mayor will say yes you have to wear a mask and the governor will says well you can't enforce that so whatever fine you thought you were going to relegate you can't find anybody so you know they, they pull the teeth out of any law that uh might be trying to help get this under control
2: so i literally just had a conversation with my connecticut um, coalition and he said that there was a frat house i had a party for 500 people and that they didn't get a fine. So there are all of these underground events in cities where you really aren't supposed to have them. A lot in New York, there are a lot of these underground weddings. There are actually people flying in from Canada who can't get married in Canada with big events and they're having these 500 and 600 person weddings. And it's like, so these people are making it really hard for us to try and get back to work in the right way Um, and being held accountable. He was talking about a, a grant program that they have in Connecticut where you can apply for five thousand dollars, I'll take the five thousand dollars, but that's sure not going to get us very far. Um, mm-hmm. But even those people that break the rules apparently are still able to apply for those grants, and they shouldn't. Um, there's a fear, and maybe it will change now that the election is over. That if I do anything, then I'm not going to get reelected. So I'm mm-hmm. gonna, I'm gonna pretend that it doesn't matter and now that I'm elected and I have my job again for two, four, eight years, whatever it may be, maybe I'll come down hard. But I think that, um, Ken, you asked this earlier, I think it's really important that as an industry, we stand up and say, look, we want to go back to work. It's all we want to do. I have never missed being at a live event this much in my life. I tell my husband all the time, I need to hug somebody other than you. Dude, you're getting them alive. <laughs> yeah. Even the grandbabies. I'm like, I gotta go see the grandbabies. I just need to hug the grandbabies. Um, but I think that you know, if we don't all stand up and say, look, we are gonna go back to work, we want to go back to work, but we're not willing to go back to work unless it is safe. And we're gonna implement what those safety policies are and we're gonna make sure that those are followed because you know with maybe the exception of Gabe and Sean, um, no offense to everybody because I'm in that group. We're not 20 year olds, guys. This is, you know, we're in, up oh, Joshua too. Um, we're not in that group that says, I'm just, you know, I'm omnipotent. I'm not going to get this. So if we control and say, as an industry, we are not going to do this unless we do it properly and we follow the protocol, we're the ones who will either infect our teams do we think that if we do infect our teams and a client gets infected that they're not going to come back and say it's your fault of course they are it's kind of like when the sound goes bad um you know it's all your fault
9: but well the difference is uh, bad sound well it's not fatal at least not yet and it's not uh, infectious so far uh, no, I'm, I'm with you. I think uh, today I'm wearing my union shirt because I just got done with the union Zoom call. I've, I'm uh, an officer in my IATSE local, and the international has come out uh, very clearly that members who work uh, in situations that are not compliant with union or, or more superior guidance are not bearing true allegiance and could be brought up on charges. So there is that, you know, and, and I, I think that definitely any local or any member of the IA on a, whether it's on a video shoot or a live show, or uh, hopefully coming back conventions and trade shows at some point, um, you know, that anyone who's not compliant, either with the protocol or working for a producer who is non-compliant, uh, you know, faces, uh, faces some repercussions within, within the union. Uh, And I think that's a step uh, that labor has to take in conjunction with and in coordination with our venues and with our producers and with our promoters. Uh, Because to not do that is just, uh, as you point out, is kind of setting everything up for failure. Um, You know, and it's sort of like, what if somebody threw a bad party and nobody cared? And I think we can look at Sturgis as a prime example of that, 400 and something thousand people, a potential possible economic impact it's in the billions of dollars just from treating the people who possibly could become sick for that and i did the math it would have been cheaper to pay everybody there 20 grand to not show up yeah you know that's that's the 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 economic impact we talk about the economic impact of things well not opening up has an economic impact well so does opening up and the the thing is, it's a pay me now, pay me later thing. And the folks that are interested or I should say most concerned with, you know, the pay me now, the immediate return, because they're about to lose their livelihoods in their businesses and their investments and their families' futures. And I totally understand that. Uh, I'm very much in that same position, too, just on the opposite side of it. And uh, but until... You know, we can we can have unified action where people can agree that even these minimally invasive, not terribly expensive personal behaviors can help us all go back to work sooner rather than later until we can get some kind of an agreement on that. It's very, very difficult. It only takes 25 to 30 percent of the public to ignore these guidelines to create. An infection situation. I'm in Kansas. Uh, in my county, as of yesterday, our infection, our positive rate was 17.1%. We should be shutting down. We should be closing bars and restaurants. We should be closing on essential businesses again. And we're not going to do it. The political will is not there. Compliance burnout is very real. And the, you know, until we can find a way to convince uh, I was, I was, I was at a small Halloween gig last weekend, 150 people in attendance. A band playing in a pole barn at a pumpkin patch, and there were five people in that audience wearing masks. I was one of them because I mixed front of house. And the venue mentioned that they had received positive comments and phone calls and Facebook postings. Being, oh, are you going? Since it's outdoors, will you be requiring masks? And when they the venue said no, the public was like, oh, good. I am so over this mask thing. And, you know, the, you can be over it, but unfortunately, the virus is not. And uh, that's, that's the other thing I think it's very hard for us to do in dealing with people that have, have this burnout, is to try and convince them that it's not politics, it's not social, it's not your freedom or whatever this other thing is. It's biology. And what we need is we need a PO, this, this virus needs a PR firm that says, Hey, I'm here and I'm not going away. And you people are all just happy hosts for me. And I love living with you, you know, and, and maybe we get better, better compliance. Instead, we, you know, we have people that unfortunately get firmly entrenched on either side and threaten each other with sticks. And that's not productive either. We all sit out on the sidelines until those people either get sick and die or learn to agree.
2: Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Cause I've talked to some people who are like, well, I've had COVID it's not that bad. And I'm like, you didn't die. What the hell? Okay, it wasn't that bad. Lucky you.
9: Yeah, that's the only criteria.
2: And I think that the other part of that, which is unfortunate for us, is that those people that came to that concert are employed. They haven't lost their livelihood. And yes, we are all COVID exhausted. There is no question about it. You know, we all desperately want to go back to some sort of...
4: I hate to say this, but everybody seems to, I don't want to use the term glossing over, but forgetting that 48% or plus or minus of this country disagrees 100% with everything we're saying here right now. That also number did correspond to our industry, which means that 48% of this industry disagrees Mm -hmm. with what's being said here. So, I think it's a slippery slope when we start talking about policing ourselves. I'm in 100% agreement of taking the safe route that this is nothing to be messed with. Um, People that have seen my webcast know that I brought in bio experts, I brought in multiple doctors, I brought in Kevin Hines, a friend of mine who jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge and survived uh, to discuss depression uh, because I take all this very seriously. However, I'm also seeing a lot of this about policing that, doing that, unionized touring, do this, do that. Look, we need to be much more realistic with first off our approach. We need to be more realistic about the actual facts of what's going on uh, with the industry as far as that goes. Um, I wish no ill will or anybody to lose anything that they've lost so much working for. However, taking the fatalist approach to our future is not gonna help any of us either at all. Um, It's gonna be exciting times coming forward. They're gonna be different. It's forcing us to take technology and use it in manners we've never used it before. So I've kind of disassociated myself with the fatalistic views of 90% of this is gone forever. These are closing for that. Well, let's be clear with the current owner, yes, that may be the case. As you said, people ask you where you get your numbers from. You know, I despise erroneous numbers in any situation. So in my opinion, we could just say millions of people and millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars. I believe that when we start throwing erroneous numbers that we can't back up and they're so big just to get the headline, we're just as bad as the politicians. I don't really care what lobbyists want to call themselves now. They're still lobbyists. They're looking- that dramatic effect. And to be honest with you, I'm sick of the dramatic effect. The truth is bad enough, but we can take a positive approach with our industry. We can take a positive action towards the future of this industry that while we are so divided, because again, the division isn't just political. 48% roughly of this industry thinks this virus is no problem and we should be open tomorrow you're not forcing these issues on those people so we need to be more adaptable to be able to work with them on finding a common ground that has a positive path forward now we've got as you said save our stages we've got live coalitions we've got neva we've got this we've got that we've got hashtags across the board Right. So when everybody's talking about unity, it's I see people that unfortunately, you know, again, I don't like erroneous numbers or throwing out these numbers of upwards of tens of millions of people. But the people following that is less than 2000 or it's less than 5000, it's less than this. Well, then, if you were going to look at this from a numbers game, then we're all failing miserably. If there's that many of us and we can only get a couple thousand to take part, we need to reevaluate what we're doing. Now, I believe that if we took this with a smile and a gesture and a conversation of what can we say, what can we do, how are we moving forward? Now, I've taken all the COVID classes just like everybody else. And again, you know, my charity, Keep the Beat Alive, we've taken this approach from a medical standpoint with everybody, also looking at these aspects. But how, my question here is, how can we stop with the erroneous information and fatalistic outlook and start looking at positive reinforcement moving forward. Uh, You know, a lot of people are discussing the pivot that may be needed. I mean, to sit around and expect this government to pay people money until we get back to what people are calling our normal industry. Look, we're not even playing the same sport anymore. Okay, it's not what it was. Your rule book of how you got business before no longer exists and isn't playable. Okay. So the sitting around with that, that's unrealistic. We need to stop expecting that. We have a government right now that let's be clear, there's more waitresses and waiters than there are us. <laughs> okay. If everybody's gonna sit there and say we should get this until everything comes back, it's unrealistic. I think all of these organizations in my opinion you know what i'd love to see i'd love to see a zoom of the heads of these organizations get together and just and instead discuss an actual board that has no financial ends because i see donate buttons on everybody but nobody says where the money goes you know what i mean and everybody's asking for money from an industry that doesn't have any The real reason that states are saying, go ahead, open up, like Florida, let's take Sarasota County, you can take Broward County, that's saying, yeah, we're open, you can do this, you can get a permit, you can have this many people. There's no disposable income. So they look like the hero telling you you're open because they know you can't do it anyways, okay? Again, be cognizant of what's going on. here. But if these organizations would get together, throw these erroneous numbers out and just say that there's millions of people hurting, there's tens of millions of dollars on the line because nobody can back up any of these numbers. Right now, I think the Bureau of Labor Statistics says that there's 19 million people unemployed. So we're gonna say that we're 50% of that, come on. Let's be careful. 58 million altogether reported unemployment. On average, we have six to 8 million that's normal. So take all the other industries, we're not 25% of that, unless we're also counting the people that laid the asphalt for us to get to the venue. So we've got to rein this in a little bit. And start with a positive approach. Everything is so far that I'm seeing as a fatalistic. This is closing forever. This is gonna be gone forever. This is screwed. We're screwed.
1: This person's screwed. How is that helping anybody? I would agree with you, Chris. It's not helping, it's 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 not helping anyone. Being realistic and and being, you know. Uh, fatalistic is is two different things and we're the reason why we're all here together is to come up with some ideas on how we can survive and that's what Nancy's doing as well you know so the 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 fact of the matter is like Sean's in the room right now and I, and I, I really wanted to bring him into this conversation because Sean he works with the Dodgers and he had a beautiful situation set up, where when the Dodgers won the pennant, they were or the World Series, they were going to do a big party, you know. And they drive driving. Sean, why don't you take it from there? Take it from where, and then tell them what you're doing right now in Lexington, Kentucky.
7: Oh uh, well, thanks, Ken. Yeah, the Dodgers is actually two separate projects, but so I'll clarify. Um, the, the Dodgers have not fans have not been to the stadium all year. I mean, obviously the Dodgers are. Decimated without getting any ticket revenue and ticket sales, hospitality sales, parking revenue, it's it's horrible. Uh, but we did we set up two uh, 60-foot LED walls out in the big parking lots at Dodger Stadium, and fans could buy a $75 ticket and bring a carload of of people and watch the playoffs. So we ended up doing um, 13 viewing events and. Um, and we won the world series which was was fun then the world series celebration was to happen just to clarify the the drive-in movie theater is the only live event the county of los angeles allows so under our current situation in los angeles county other than a restaurant being outside but you can't know anybody at the restaurant and no more than three families can gather in one household for thanksgiving so if there was three brothers and a set of parents, one of the brothers can't come to the party because it can only be three households. The only legal thing is this drive-in movie theater. Um, so the county- Did they come Peru, there in an
1: Uber? That's what I want to know. Could they come in an Uber or no? <laughs>
7: they could definitely not come in, as long as the Uber's in your family. Um, now, a couple of things we got pushed through uh people got out of their trucks and flipped the trucks around and wanted to sit in the back of the truck and then people put the top down to their convertible and the fire marshal for la county actually said you know everyone back in your car you cannot leave your car uh you can't do this and that came from the city and then we went to the city uh, fire marshal and said but county protocol allows you to open your windows and so we're sitting there negotiating with like, can people sit in their trucks? And finally, he gave he gave gave in and said, well, if the county protocol allows for it, then I guess us as a city shouldn't make it worse. The the second interesting thing was if the Dodgers win the World Series, we were going to do a sell a live celebration in stadium. Now, if I'm getting too much in the weeds, please let me know. But a The Dodgers really wanted the employees to be there. So they were going to put 500 employees in the background of the shot in the stadium, but the County intervened and said, we don't like the optics of this. We don't want people to think people are live and attending a live event. So the County told us that they, as long as they were paid employees and socially distant, and we put a lower third on the broadcast, the live feed, that these are paid employees not fans attending the event they allowed us to put the 500 people in the, in the stadium but the players said we won't come unless our kids and wives can be with us because kids and family travel in, in baseball and the county said you can't have the family in the stadium because it's a gathering of more than three households and we said but but it's a tv show it's a live video production well, then they have to be paid compensated live audio, studio live audience. So we arranged to pay 240 kids and parents to sit in the audience during the World Series celebration. Then they said child labor law would come into effect because these kids were little and it was a later, there was, there's all these labor rules. But then we said, but you've closed LA city schools and we can't go to school. There's nowhere for these kids to go. And there's a carve out that parents can bring kids on set during a live paid performance. So then they gave into that. So the county eventually approved 100 people on set, 250 family members and 500 employees, all gathered on my giant CAD plan in Dodger Stadium, which you know is very big. And then Justin Turner tested positive for COVID during the game. Then he came, we, we put him in quarantine or isolation we call it, but even with Positive COVID, he came back out and ran around with the team and took pictures without, he took his mask off. And then I got a call from basically the ownership group of the Dodgers about three in the morning as we're loading in Dodger Stadium, gigs canceled. We're not, we're not doing this. We're not putting everyone together again. And this is just a funny story about you got a gig, then the gig goes away. Get a gig, gig get, get gets canceled. And so it's, it's pretty rough. Uh, i'm out in kentucky lexington kentucky tomorrow uh, we're doing the breeders cup which is a horse race so no live audience no one can attend Uh, only about thirty-five hundred, um you know people can be here the horse trainers the jockeys the owners tv production it sheds a great light on the
4: disassociation between county and city and granted, I, I find a hard time feeling sorry for an organization that averages $6 million per player and $30 million to the others and makes – so I'm, I'm sorry if I'm not really <laughs>
7: – By the way, you're making a very good argument that many, many people make. That's, I, I don't want any sympathy for the Dodgers.
4: I <laughs> I, I'm not going to feel sorry for what the Dodgers are going through. But I do like that you brought up the disassociation between the counties and the cities. But that's, again, highlighting the exact – Thing that i'm trying to highlight within this industry itself is the disassociation if you will and again i go back to the hashtags this the hashtag that the nevis this the that the that yet all of them uh and i'm not going to repeat the erroneous numbers but all of them collectively have less than 10,000 people involved out of supposedly well past 10 million people you know these numbers being thrown so it kind of behooves me to wonder okay so either you're not getting out to this industry at all (laughs) even though you know the algorithms this is this is the other part of this that everybody puts this on their facebook page not realizing that the algorithms are only going to get that to x amount of people that by your algorithms are all in the same industry you are so you're basically bitching to yourselves about yourselves and the same situation it's not going anywhere past that it's just not Uh, my personal opinion on the push case thing and the light up red and the buses I responded saying, you really want to make a difference. None of them are in Washington. They're all home. X amount had already signed off on it. Push all those cases and go to those governor's mansions, light them up red, park the buses out front. They said, why? And I said, because security is going to have to tell them what's going on outside. Now you're on somebody's radar. But, you know, the ideas that got pressed around that we're going to be the straw on the camel's back to make something go forward because roadies are in trouble, again, is, it's unrealistic.
1: You so, know, I kind of agree with what you're saying in that respect. It would have been a good idea if we would have brought it over to the governor's house, the sure. senators' houses, and light, and light that up, Red. Of
4: them drive past that venue that's in the middle of Detroit or somewhere to see it, Red? Now, however, had all this been, and I don't, I want to make sure, because I didn't make this clear before, but I want to make clear. I support anything that is to bolster the camaraderie, and is for the betterment, not just of the people in our industry, but human beings period across the board so let me make that clear okay however the way a lot of these are being set forward if they were set forward just for camaraderie and just to help each other feel positive and get that kind of interaction that's needed 100 percent, i'm in but when it's sold as we're gonna make the difference we're gonna get this done that's gonna get done i'm gonna call you out on it i'm sorry yeah I, i'm just you know we don't know how to protest, now. We're the worst protesters there ever was. Really? Oh. Find any roadie in yeah. catering and tell me you don't know how to protest. Yeah, well, well <laughs> we sure don't know how to protest if we're going ahead and pushing cases right, and see, expect and, it to make a damn difference. Yeah. It doesn't. Okay, well, being a tour manager for a very long time, I look, my crews know how to protest. Everybody I've seen the protesting across the board. Now, however, the organizational, when we look at, I look to people like a, a Charlie Hernandez, you know what I mean? And, and just a bunch of roadies, okay? Organizations like this have done monumental projects for the well-being of people in just a snap. We can get it done. We are the organization that does have carpenters, electricians, stage builders, this, that across the board. You tell me that you want a show tomorrow on some island. You tell me the budget. I'll make that show happen. That's my job. But again, that separation of this industry through all this, that some getting hyped, oh, it's about time somebody's going to get me money. I mean, I got to get money until industry comes back. The industry's not coming back. Okay, The industry isn't dead. Music's continuing. Live shows are on hold as far as in person. But music is still being released. Awards are still being given out. Sales are still happening. Royalties are still being paid so again i believe our industry needs to restructure this conversation without the fatalistic without these erroneous numbers that nobody can back up okay at all and and forget that and find a way to help people either pivot and use their talents for jobs that are available right now because let's be honest if you can't pay your rent you can't pay your mortgage you can't feed your kids I pointed this out on the last webcast I was on. You go to Indeed right now, I'm in production manager, and you're going to find 25,000 ads. You put audio engineer, you're going to find thousands of them. There are jobs out there. How hungry are you? How much trouble are you in? You can do it. Now, I'm not saying any of this is easy. I'm not saying the depression isn't real. I'm not. But at some point, we have to stand up. We're months into this, and we're still talking about hashtag this, hashtag that.
1: I don't. There's, there's, we're not the only ones that are hurting. I mean, Peter shares in the room. He owns global, Relativity Travel. Global. And and uh, the last time he booked the ticket, I can't even. Peter, when was the last time you booked the ticket? See, we're well, he he, he, he's speechless. I'm telling I can't. You he's I, can't I can't
5: remember.
8: You know, oh, it's like I booked. one to to uh, sh- Chicago, and it was canceled because the guy couldn't go because they wouldn't allow him in. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry
1: for laughing at that. But the reality is, is that what I was going for with Sean, Chris, is this. Because he did you get paid, Sean, for the Dodgers thing?
7: Uh, yes. And in fact, they were very sympathetic that it would all have to be wired up front 100% in order for any company in my boat to be relatively successful. And then I hired Stage Tech to do rigging. I hired a company called Matrix to help me with the row uh, LED wall that I needed. I ha- hired a company called Power Trip to do my power, and then our company sort of did all the everything. out, filled all the other bubbles, and and uh, we had to pay. We they, they too needed to be paid. Um, and, so, and
1: tell us about what you're doing right now. Are you getting paid for being at the at at at, at, at in Kentucky right now?
7: I I am. Uh, they told me I wasn't going to come. And I typically, you know, this this production value is around a hundred thousand dollars every year, and we, they they told us that they would not, not need any of our services. Uh, they did reach out to me about um, about a week ago and said they're one of their sponsors, longine which is a clock company, watch company. Uh, they were unable to find a local vendor to do the production, and they once again, wanted us to come out and do it. So they ended up throwing us um, a truss, scaffolding, electrical, graphic gig, which I wrapped up about four hours ago. That's why I was able to make it. And then they asked me to stay for the weekend as a utility on on the main, what's called the um, winter circle in the paddock. Um, since I know who everybody is, I'm going to be a wrangler. And they're paying me pretty well to just be on a radio and a headset this weekend and just run around for Actually, is like a utility. In case there's an, um, any issues, that they think I can solve. Um, we also got a, an interesting gig two weeks ago with Wendy's hamburgers. They wanted to do a national stunt, creating something called a scare through drive-in. So we, they asked where in the country we could do it, and I said it, you'd have to do it in Southern California. We couldn't do it with a week's notice, but we built uh, like a 48 a seventy-two hour haunted house drive-through. So you got in line and you ordered your burger and you paid at the window. And then, you know, Wendy's had, um, three vignettes, a Ronald McDonald, scary guy, a Burger King, scary guy, and a a Jack in the box, scary guy. Obviously they're making fun of their competition. It was, it was incredible. Kudos. I heard that was well done actually on short notice. Thank you. I was, so it was a, it was a national campaign stunt and they did have a pretty decent budget and, uh, we crushed it. There was like a six hour wait to get an amber.
1: Yeah, I heard it was well done. Right. Thank you. So, and the, Thank and you. so here's the point, And Chris, I'm going to uh, I'm going to point. There are people out here right now. We're being creative and 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 by putting our minds together. And that's why Nancy is doing this coalition. People have to know that there are people working. People are making money. It's not just everybody, everybody is, is dying. It's just that we're not used to, we have to be more creative right now and find the jobs that are going to pay the bills. Yeah, the, the challenges is the crewing. That's the challenge. Very and, few know, and far between
0: jobs compared job. to our normal uh, you know, amount of jobs. Yeah, you know, I want to just between.
1: clarify, Ken,
7: um, we had not, I think we talked about this a month ago, in the eight months, we've been in this situation seven months. We almost had nothing for six months, literally nothing. And then my you know, my clients called me in the last three weeks. These are all like surprise, had no idea they were coming. And I think it has a lot to do with where you are in the food chain. Um, you know, I serve as agencies, So for me, I now see that there are customers who didn't do anything for eight months. They gotta do something. It's almost the end of the year. And they're like, shit, maybe we will just do a drive-in movie theater. Maybe we will just do a haunt, you know, a haunted house. What We got to do something, you know? Some of
4: us, I mean, we've had clients that are doing things, obviously, we, you know, some of our larger clients have continued to do things across the board. Uh, you know, there's other companies out there that some have the larger theme park, you know, or some have jobs that are three years out to delivering, you know what I mean? So their crews are still working in the shops, still doing that production aspect, if you will. Uh, you know what I mean? And OSA still has some of that. And I'm sure PRG has some of it and Production glue and tape, you know what I mean? Uh, some across the board. So it does, you know, the food chain's a good point. But I think the biggest issue right now that Nancy and a lot of these coalitions are having, which again, I, I support anybody that's trying to help anybody. I think it's the dissemination of information and the way it's getting to, again, I go back to these, these numbers if there's x amount of people but you only got a couple of thousand out of millions you know there's a there's a, a huge fall through there of how you're gonna get this information to roadies or what have you and i see this you know being the director of tour link or live production summit as we've rebranded it to be now we see this constantly with the conference that one of the things everybody looks at, whether it be BobNet, you know what I mean? Whether it be this or that, these different pages that had large information grabs back in the day that have a good mailing list now, you know, and still a good follow through, you can disseminate information to. But even that, when you look at that number, is a tiny number when you're trying to get across that information. So I don't know that I see any major outfit i mean look live nation tried and they you know they're not getting a lot of information out to a lot of people either a lot of people didn't know about what crew nation was doing um, you know or music cares was doing or you know a lot of that except for what i saw being kind of a circle if you will
1: well that's our job to bring that out that's one of the reasons why i'm doing what i'm doing right now and i'm gonna you know one of the things that michael strickland sent me an email but i've been following this for a while and i'm gonna put the links in in the chat right now but Polestar just reported. Uh, so let me talk about it. I'm going to have to read this a little bit. So uh, uh, more than 4,000 volunteers attended an indoor concert in Leipzig, Germany, set up by researchers, uh, and it's from the Halley University. Basically, I'm going to now. Uh, so basically, 1,500 people showed up to this concert. And basically, now the, the headline today is German scientists prevent COVID experiment results. The sciences at the Medical Center of Halle University in Germany, uh, they seem to feel right now that they are on to something by moving the air around by wearing masks that they were able to be successful in putting on this concert without too many people, or I don't even know the results of how many people actually had COVID or didn't, but they were able to follow everybody around. They put everybody had to wear, um, everybody had to wear something around their neck to track them. They they Everybody's hands had ultraviolet uh, something it on it, it so that they bi- were able to,
4: excuse me? It was die casting that they used computer models to show anybody that touched anybody what surfaces were touched. They used different uh, of the dies to show different things. They put together the model after it was done. Now, let's be very clear here, too. When we look to Europe and stuff, I heard that, you know, England was brought up earlier. OK, England, I think,'s current population is roughly 50, 52 million. So if we look at just California, it's 50 percent of that by itself. Europe on a whole, when you start looking at things like that in lockdown, is a very small, containable environment to do such things with, let's also be clear about Europe, far supersedes us when it comes to certain safety issues, especially when you look at the the filtration issue that was used. If, again, we're going to start trying to tell a club level that you're going to have to do this with your filtration, this with your tracing, this with your that, we're back to it's not viable to do it, it's right up there with these drive-in shows as far as being financially viable. It doesn't pencil in. It, it's right up there with a the lead singer asking for delay and reverb and a monitor when he's using in-ears. It, it's just, it's not, you know.
1: <laughs> hey, Martin, Martin Connolly, you're in England. What are you seeing? What, what, what's going on over there? He brought up England. What's going on from, uh, from your, from your own standpoint of view? And then Jack, of course, you have an office in England as well. So what's going on over there that you see?
3: i'd say hi to chris because i haven't seen chris for a long time since he was over here a couple of summers ago i hope you're well i hope you're getting some sailing in um everything that Nancy's said is this uh, is happening over here it's it's exactly the same you know we're having problems we're getting funding is coming in um total productions international have been very proactive um, as Chris says, you know, we're a small country, so it's a lot easier to actually galvanize our industry in the UK because there's, without going into numbers, Chris, there's there's fewer of us here working. But, uh, you know, we are getting some traction. Um, Adlib, uh, Adlib Audio got a grant of one and a half million pounds to help them as a company um lots of people are getting grants of fifty thousand pounds small companies so that's going to keep the wolf from the door but until events come back um and as chris says is that we we have much tighter regimes over here when it comes to safety we're now having another shutdown which should have should have come earlier school they're keeping the schools open which is insane because all our rules are the same um i can only i can if i go out i can only meet one person i can't have anybody from another household here but children are still going to school which means they're associating with however many people are in that school families so it's it's a sort of a a crazy situation but the r rate here is down to about one and a half so it's it's nowhere near the levels that's happening in the States. In the States, the, in the States it's, it would appear there was a, a TV show on BBC the other day. There's just been no management of COVID at all over there. It's almost to the point where I, I don't think Donald Trump even was virtually saying it doesn't exist. To, to,
4: uh, to not totally upset a lot of quote-unquote patriots that are probably driving around in a Toyota, but... You also have a much higher level in Europe, across Europe, Germany, Austria, the morals and ethics uh, of those countries I've always found to be further along, if you will. Uh, As we discuss over here, if if you were to open up, and I'm not going to pigeonhole any genre here, but we have certain genres here that you could put a mask mandate in place, sure, that says you can't even buy a ticket unless you agree to this, blah, 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 blah. Two beers into that concert, every mask is gone. It just we're at least we're smart enough to know that. And as an industry, we have to accept our shortcomings and our shortcomings are that we are not going to be able to tell 10,000 people or police 10,000 people. I mean, right now, look, as a production manager for years, I get pushed back when I want two more paramedics at a show. And I'm told no, you can get away with just this amount because the bottom line is always the crucial one. So when you start looking at what it's going to take as far as what the optics currently are for doing a show safe in these times, it's not worth it. Now I agree with them that I, the schools over there shouldn't be open. And I was speaking to Nick Gold about this, uh, who's my travel agent, uh, but he, uh, you know, he's from over there and his whole family's there. However, your rate because everybody else follows the guidelines and adheres to it at a much higher percentage has kept your children safer in that environment and allowed you to keep that number where it's at but again i revert back to two states and we've already got england's population out of the 50 yeah. and let's remember yeah. that 48 percent out of that 50 don't care about or believe that this virus is a problem
8: yeah you, i have a you question see, chris so uh, that the uh, you chris, chris you think that because you've like literally you've got 50 Englands there like like and I think that's what Martin was sort of referring to and then that's the big white elephant you don't have anybody who's controlling anything nobody's calling any shots I'm Canadian we started in March we had we had a a plan in March and we've been following the same plan we have 10 provinces sort of like 10 different states 10 provinces and and ours is working if you look at uh, our our levels are way way down now we other than having drive-ins, we don't really have much other business. Right. And, and the fact that, you know, Canada's population is nowhere near uh, what, what the uh, the US is, but we've been consistently consistent because of the people at the top of the food chain, uh, their policies, like it or not. We have the anti-maskers, we have all the same people that you have, um, but uh, we've been consistently consistent with, with, our, with all the laws, with everything that we're doing and it's really paid off. It's almost like every time I get on here, that that you guys, it's almost like every time I get on, you're starting that day. Like, it's like, okay, here we go, we're starting now, and it's like eight months later.
4: Yeah, the, the, the best meme I've seen is that, you know, how many days since a problem on the job site, and we're we're constantly at zero because we constantly have a problem. <laughs> you bring up a great analogy though of, of how many Englands, I would say that actually we have 100 or 200 Englands, and I'll explain why. Not only do we have a possible Republican Senator, but a Democrat as the state legislature or the district attorneys, but some of them are allowing the different municipalities within the states to make up their own areas. So that mayor says this while that mayor says that. So we're across the board. The other thing that neither one of you have is a bunch of idiots with, with high powered rifles in the backs of trucks, you know what I mean? Kicking everything and anything else. And I'm gonna say this to both sides. I'm neither liberal or Democrat because I wouldn't wanna be a party to either. They're both full of shit at this point. But I will say this. You have people that take advantage of bad situations, opportunists that are the looters and the riders and the whatever else. You have those that are truly just trying to get their voice heard in the age old American way. And let's remember, that's how America was founded, okay, in the first place. So, but this government is incapable of having the, and I don't wanna use the word control, but influence, I guess would be better, over its mass population such as something not only the smaller size of an England, if you will, but the general and moral ethical virtues of that country compared to this one. You don't have such diverse, you know I mean? Now, granted, you know, when I was young and played soccer, you know, over there, you didn't, you had arguments and fights and fights, you know, over the beer in the stadium and whatever else, and later on it goes on where here you have states that literally despise each other and what everything stands for, a period across the board, and it is visceral. You don't have that so much in Europe, and you don't have it in Canada.
8: No, we don't. Yeah. We don't have any of that in Canada. As a but matter of fact, that, we, have three that, parties, we have three parties in Canada, and, and part of this whole thing is that, and they've discussed that, is that all three parties must work in, in unison to make this to make this happen which is you know our three parties hate each other as well but for this common cause they've, they've come together for the for the greater good of this common cause and i never saw i didn't think that would ever happen but they've made it happen like literally have made it happen so we generally have done okay uh the, you know there's been lots of uh money not lots of money but there's been money going to all the different causes all the companies are slowly getting money Um, You know, all the people have been paid, are on 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 payrolls and and different things. So it's been working for us. We've been pretty good. Now again, we don't have the work, and we've got the bad weather coming. So we're you know we we got a brand new program that they just came up with, but it's again it's sort of an ask backwards thing. They're like, you put together a budget, you put together a show. Generally, shows for us are the drive-in shows. You put that together, and the government is willing to pay. 50% of all the costs involved of putting that show on everything 50% they'll cover the entertainment, the production, all the venue costs anything to put it on. The catch is, it has to be done by March thirtieth. And if you know Canada, probably as well as I think you know Canada, then you know that leading up to march 30th we're going to be three feet of snow and and you know going to be pretty damn hard to put in so 50 percent is a fabulous thing it's probably never going to happen again but you know just to get shows happening in canada they said listen we're going to pay 50 percent of your event now guys are working it out i've done a million quotes for for different people for different events um but you know it's just i don't see it i i, I it's a good shot and i think it's a, a great uh thing to do but by March 30th, it's just not uh, not reasonable. To, Our to... government doesn't even pay the states that
4: it gets into to do rallies, let alone the police and say it supports that they use to protect the rallies that they want to do in the state that they're not going to pay. So, yeah, yeah. We, we don't have, uh, you know, the, those situations at all.
1: Well, Ron, I would say that, uh, you know, I would start looking for the polar bear clubs and see what kind of shows they want to see. You know, the polar bear club should be the way to go. <laughs>
8: i've been i've done quotes for about 30 (laughs) saint patty's shows like literally because of this program that the government has instituted the only really big holiday that you know i mean valentine's is coming up but i mean it's going to be pretty damn cold then as well But st patty's day so you know i've done stage line 100s and two uh, 250s and 320s all these different different scenarios with different things people just trying to trying to make something happen because the government is willing to pay 50 percent i'm all for it if they can do it but uh, like like chris says i mean i've already done several drive-ins and the number is just they've they've never worked yet I mean not one of the although you know because it's a relatively low bar that you're trying to achieve so people that are doing 225 cars are like yeah and it's like dude that's like under a thousand people I what show in the past would you have thought that a thousand people was a big success because you you know no matter what which way you look at it you're gonna lose you're losing money so you know, I've done a pile of these things, and uh, not one of them has has made any money. Like, you know, that's a great none. point.
4: That's a great point, though, that we need to those smaller shows as much as those don't pencil out. And I forgot to bring this up earlier that we actually, as an industry, should be concentrating on working as close as possible with the smallest venues we've got, the machine shops, the aces lounges, all those that. I, and I know they're financially hurting and everything else. However. Let's be honest. Those are going to be the first shows to come back are going to be those smaller club shows, the duos at the bar that we can't control so much. But the actual venue environment, those smaller venues are going to be the first to come back, you know, with those lower level shows, lower level ticket prices, because the disposable income isn't going to be flooding out of the gates. But those are the ones we need to work with to do it as safe as possible. You know what I mean? So that we can show as an industry how, because we're going to be watching those. Now, a lot of people talk about the tracing of COVID and stuff. Well, you know, it's really hard to say. There was recently somebody who was at an event that tested positive, and they thought they got it at the show. And as they looked, well, they did stop at the gas station. They did do the drive-in at Jack in the Box. They did do this. There was no way to prove it came from the show. You know what I mean? And litigation and contracts and everything, as we all know, is only worth the amount of money you have to either enforce it or defend it. You know, it's more the disposable income and also – getting the fans or even for conference attendees to feel comfortable and safe that we're looking out for their best interest across the board not just the show but now their safety more so than ever we were already hit with the Bata clan we were already hit with what happened in las vegas And, you know, I called the industry out because everybody said, oh, this is going to change everything. Security is going to be this. Security is going to be that. Did anybody ever see any real changes from either one as far as security goes? I would say the top one percentile that could afford to make those changes in touring made significant changes. Beyond that, not so much. Just an interesting point.
1: Chris, just an interesting point. Next week, we're going to have Marty Harmon and Marty, you know, is the tour manager for the Rolling Stones. And he's got some He, I'm sure he's going to have some insight into this. Uh, Nancy, I know it's getting late and I promise you you could leave anytime you want. But Ken Porter wants something and then I'm going to ask you a question. And then you, you can leave this testosterone filled room and go deal with your husband. But in the meantime, Ken, what do you have? What What's going on there?
6: Nancy, my question is, is that would a, a lobbying angle coming up since we now have a new a new government coming in and about a little over 10 and a half, 10 weeks from now, we're going to have an inaugural and stuff there. And it would use that. Would that be a good thing to start thinking about? Because most of the thing is we celebrate, you know, the inaugural, the swearing in with the the you know, capital architect, but then all the parties afterwards and everything else I do. Is that an angle to go in and try and impress some people for their their event?
2: I would love to say the answer to that is yes. So the District of Columbia is currently in phase two and phase two is 50 people and that's 50 people gathering, including staff. Um, There is apparently going to be a parade. So again, um, in the district, we battle other things, which is, We have, I don't know, I joke, we have 27 different police departments. They're owned by 27 different jurisdictions. Some are federal, some are city, some are, I mean, it's it's nuts. So the parade itself is on District of Columbia property because the streets are owned by the district, but it's supposed to be run by the elected inaugural committee. Currently there are no inaugural events or balls Currently stated. I was supposed to, you know, Sean's in Kentucky. I was supposed to be producing the Kentucky Bluegrass Ball, which is my supply for bourbon every four years. And unfortunately, they have canceled it. Um, Exactly. It it was heartbreaking. Sean, it was heartbreaking. Trust me. Um, Because they're who taught me how to like bourbon. But I don't anticipate, if Biden is the winner, he will not to any inaugural activities. Um, One of the things that the district is losing and they're losing it to Virginia and Maryland because their numbers are larger and you can go and do events with a much larger crew. um, We may have a parade and that's gonna be it. I just don't see unless something major happens that the mayor is gonna open this city up to allow people to have larger events. And again, because maybe not as cold as Canada, but January in DC is not a pleasant month. It's pretty much our coldest month. Ken, are you here in the area? What? Ken, are you here in this area?
6: I'm in Nashville, but I've done several inaugurals over the year. I did the first uh, Clinton and
2: several other things. So most of those events are fundraisers because they're not done the, the, the official ones are done by, in this case, the DNC or the the RNC, whoever the inaugural committee is. In the old days, they would do them in lots of different venues. Now they've pushed them all into the convention center for those official ones, so that the president and first lady don't have to run all over the city to, to go to them. But I don't anticipate, because most of the others, whether it's the bluegrass ball, which is Texas, um, the... Um, Kentucky State, I'm sorry, that's not bluegrass. Kentucky's Kentucky's the bluegrass ball, Texas is boots and hats and boots, boots and jeans. I can't remember what it is. These are massive events and they're fundraisers. So the challenge was is that when they started to do their fundraising, they realized that they weren't sure they were gonna have events and most all of them have been canceled because they couldn't raise the dollars to produce the events. Um, so I don't anticipate that there will be Any major inaugural events, with the exception of possibly the parade and the swearing in is always done outside. It's done on the steps of the Capitol. Um, I walked by the other day. It looks like they're potentially beginning to build that out. But, you know, Biden has been very, very careful about not having people next to each other, even at outside rallies and things of that nature. So I just don't anticipate that we're going to see it the same way that we have seen it in the past. Um, I think that this is a,
6: a skip. That be something to point out that it's the issue and that in the past we've always done this and now we need help?
2: Um, we have. We've actually said it to the city from the district to say, do you realize how much revenue the District of Columbia is going to lose? And um, it's, you know, the discussion, as you were mentioning, in the UK and in other places, they follow rules a little bit better. My husband jokes and says, can you imagine if we put a bunch of Americans in a line and told them that they had to stand there and they couldn't move? And they, there would be, you know, a, a fight would break out instantly. In the UK, you're told to stand in line, you stand in line. Yeah, but haven't haven't you been in line to vote? We have been in line to vote, but I will tell you that this year, We've, there are more people that voted in this election than ever before. And it was shocking to see them in line. Um, but I think it's the one time that there was, you know, I think, Chris, you mentioned it, our country is so divided to look at the outcome, and to look at the map and to see where the world or the US is in terms of, right, left, in between, whatever it is, those who can carry, you know, machine guns. You know, in the UK, cops barely carry guns. Here, you know, we allow people to buy assault weapons. So I think it's very, very different here in the US than it is in other countries. Um, I don't anticipate that there will be much inaugural activity. I hope that I am proven wrong. Um, the thing that I wanted to circle back to was something that you said, Chris, because I think it's very important. And it's one of the frustrations that I as the figurehead of the Live Events Coalition, when we started this coalition, it was about all live events. Didn't matter if it was touring or anything. If you were a live event, this was to be the voice. I would give anything to be able to sit in a room with the head of NEVA and, and I have and NATO and Red Alert and all of these different groups that are actually fighting for the same thing. But there must be, all I can think of is is that there's an ego or a need to say we did it and these are our people. And I stand here and say, no, we are all part of this same industry. And if we don't all stand together, then we look very divided, which we are. It's that verticalization that happens. And so, you know, I I had a, I had a call with the red alert people who want to do this new video activation and said, we need you guys to help us. And I said, well, why didn't you come to us before you decided to do this? Because now what you want me to do is you want the live events coalition to push the red, the we make events message, which while it is similar to ours, no offense, but you're talking about pushing cases and you're talking about the technical side, and I'm talking about from a planner-producer side, that you're, you're you're putting the cart before the horse, and then you're coming back and going, Oh, wait, by the way, can you help me with the horse? Well, maybe if we all got together and had that conversation that says we are massive and our ecosystem is massive, which is where some of those numbers come from. So I just want to make sure that that when we think of the, the system, I think of the farmer that's planted the flowers that the wholesaler is going to buy that the decorator is going to use that's going to sit on the table or in front I it. of something.
4: I, yeah, right? no, I know how you got the numbers. I just, I, I just like, I just like them being used. They shouldn't be used. The, they're erroneous numbers. They can't be backed up. They're, they they do not the The truth is bad enough. It doesn't need the exaggeration of the numbers. However, I will say this, I, and you know. Uh, without even speaking to the owner of the conference, and I think he'll back me up on this. As the director of Live Production Summit, I will personally reach out to each one of your organizations. I will create a panel at the coming up conference that will be virtual. Um, and I'll call it out just the way I just did. Everybody's talking about millions and millions of people, but each one of you can only vouch for a couple of thousand uh, You know, people you know, being a part of each one. So even if we added all that up, let's say we got to 20,000 people, OK, uh, but there, there has to be some better approach uh, than all this. Now, again, had everything been about just the camaraderie to make and help each other feel good at a time of need, I support it. I, I can't say how much I support that. Uh, but to say that I'm in touch with so and so and we're getting good feedback and there's going to be something next week and we're going to get answers. We're going to be a part and we've got to make them listen to us. Quit kidding yourself. I mean, sir, Let's be serious here. Okay, this is it's a global pandemic, the likes of which nobody's even talking about what the back end of this is going to be the litigation that is going to exist throughout the world is going to be insane, based upon the amount of contracts that aren't fulfilled are in breach are in question, have expired through this. I mean, you're never going to get through this litigation. You brought up earlier about how we're gonna deal with calendars. You know, it's, I've talked to people like Stuart Ross. Stuart, I saw you on there earlier. I don't know if you're still there. I know you're a busy man, but hello boss. Uh, but it's, you. we're not gonna rebook everything. You can't. First off, you can't slam five shows into a venue in one week. Nobody's got the disposable income to go to all those shows. So really what everybody's got right now, most of the agents that I speak to that are worth, you know, at a certain level, let me say that. They have, three to four fall through dates for each thing, you know, on a calendar. And as we surpass this date, okay, that one falls off. We're going to push to that secondary up. Uh, okay. Well now we reach this because we don't have the optics of this coming out of it. We all hoped by January we'd have the optics. We've heard the bullshit we're going to have a vaccine before the election. We've heard the bullshit that this is going to go away with the election. We've just heard bullshit. And I think what ends up coming out of this is a lot of these false pretenses that have been thrown out there of this is going to help that, hashtag this is going to do that, this is going to do that, we're doing this for you, that's happening. That is adding to the exhaustion that is being touted as the COVID exhaustion. It's not helping by any sense of the imagination at all, where all anybody's pushing are erroneous numbers, fatalistic. These industries are gonna die. This one's decimated. This one's never coming back. These venues are gone forever. How is any of that language
1: gonna well, do anything for anybody well again? chris i i gotta interrupt you and i want to thank you for your optimism i love the fact how positive you are about this uh just an fyi live nation just got 500 million dollars from saudi arabia and they're buying a lot of the venues so the venues and the venue should be here but like i said um We could you and I, Chris, I love what you're doing. I love how you're 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 stimulating the conversation. But because Nancy, I promised her that I would let her go at a reasonable hour and she's just staying here. There's one thing that I promised that I was going to ask Nancy, because you see everybody we're all in here, not because we have to do this, but because we love what we're doing. And there's every one of us has many, many, many multiple Many, many multiple experiences that are so memorable that when you think about it, it's almost too hard to think of one memorable experience that you've had. But when you tell somebody else, they say, Really? You did that? You had you, you know, you were with Van Halen and they gave you BJ passes? Unbelievable, you know? Those kind of stuff. Now I'm not saying that Van Halen gave you any BJ passes, but what I am saying, Nancy, is why don't you share with us like a memorable experience that validated the fact that man you went into the right industry so so why don't you why don't you share that with us on on an up note and tell them when you know when when it's all over and said and done when you start thinking about that really good memory what pops in your head and say wow i got to do
2: this it's funny that we're having this conversation today full disclosure i'm a little girl from berkeley california so okay maybe yes for the dodgers but go a's (laughs) I say that for my brothers, giants and A's, and I can't figure out which one is which. But um, so, you know, I, I grew up in a, a very left-wing household. My father was a community social worker like Barack Obama was, and I produced the um, an event for the US Soccer Foundation. And it was a gala, and it was a gala like any other gala. We built a tent and, you know, it was wonderful and great. Archbishop Tutu was there, which was a delight to watch him dance in his little soccer shoes. Um, Sweet, sweet, kind man. But about four weeks before that, um, Michelle Obama decided that she was gonna launch her Let's Move campaign the following day in this tent at a soccer clinic. And I, to be able to produce an event that Michelle Obama was at was just kind of something I don't think I ever really thought that I would dream of or to be around. Politicians are politicians, they don't excite me. I've been in the city for a really long time. They're politicians and Chris, as you said, sometimes I wonder how out of touch they are. She is not out of touch. Um, And so we produced this amazing event with her where she is exactly who you think she is and exactly who she is on TV. And all I wanted was to meet her. You know, We produce events all the time. It's what we do and we love it. But I wanted to meet this woman and her advanced person allowed me to meet her in front of my client. And when you meet a president or a vice president or anybody, you have to submit all of your social security numbers. You have to go through all sorts of security clearance. And so, all of the guys. And I think it's pretty funny. I'm about to say this in front of you guys. It was my client who were a bunch of men and they're all standing there and they're all like in the room and in the tent. And they're like, Oh, it's so nice to meet you. And everybody gets their handshake and Adidas had been the sponsor. And so I literally had like a triple X, because it was all that was left Adidas, um, and I had to roll it all the way up my sleeves and I'm just standing there in the room and my client's there. And look, again, we talk about this. We don't upstage our clients. Our job is to be quiet and to be in the background and to make everybody else look good. And at this point, I just didn't give a shit. I was like, oh no, 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 no. This is my day. It also happened to be my birthday. So I stood there and her advanced person, KJ, when all the guys had finished their very stiff grip and grins and did their handshakes, She said, Mrs. Obama, this is Nancy. She produced this whole thing. And I'm like going, oh crap, I'm really gonna piss off my client and I really don't care. And she goes, and it's her birthday. And Michelle literally turned around and said, oh my God, happy birthday, Nancy. And I'm just like, I walked up. There was no handshake. There was an embrace. And I said, I'm a little girl from Berkeley, California. We've been waiting a long time for this. And her response to me was, then you know we have a whole lot of work to do. I'm good for the rest of my life for having a <laughs> person. <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing. So, you know, it's the little things, you know, the, the big stuff I think we all get used to. And, and we remember that I think this is the part that makes us all who we are. We all remember that everybody puts their pants on the same way as we do, one leg at a time. So, whether or not it's some big celebrity that stands up front or it's a Michelle Obama or it's an Archbishop Tutu. Um, we're all human beings and the point is to, what we do is to give people joy and what we do is to bring stories to life and to help make a difference either in someone's heart or a difference for a nonprofit or make a difference in the world. And you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change what I do for anything. I would like to go back to doing it. I miss it. I miss the adrenaline. Um, I would be with Sean in Kentucky with my mask on tomorrow, except I don't wanna get on an airplane yet. But you know, first of all, I wanna thank each of you for giving me an opportunity to share who I am and who the Live Events Coalition is. Um, I think that what you guys do is remarkable and I couldn't do my job without what you guys do. So I say thank you. Um, And if you have questions, Chris, if you want to keep discussing why we need to change what it is that we're trying to do, I'm here for you. I absolutely understand that some of the activations, just so you know, because I think that this is true, the activations that we do are less about the impact they're going to have on the people in the Hill, Than it is about being able to be together and know that we're doing something and really feeling like whether or not it works or not, we're doing something. When I got out of the car to watch the empty event in DC on the National Mall, which was lit and red and empty, I burst into tears because it was the first time I had seen my colleagues in four months. So a lot of the time, it's not about whether or not they're going to hear us up the street because I'm not sure if they do or not but it's about making people who don't feel that they have any control over anything that they're doing something, whatever that something is. And I have to remember that when tomorrow I have to look at all of them and they say, so now what? And I'm like, well, we go back to making as much noise as we can because that makes people able to get up every day.
1: Thank you so much. I really appreciate Nancy Schaefer. You. Uh, you know you are more than welcome to to join us anytime you like. We're gonna We're gonna stop the live stream right now, but we're gonna stay around and talk so uh, you know if you really want to join us, uh, join us on the Zoom meeting. in, in the future, we're here every week. Wednesdays at 3 o'clock Las Vegas time. And just remember, you guys make it happen. And I really appreciate you, Nancy, for coming in and everybody who stayed around as long as you did. Um, You know, we're here to support the industry. And if you have something to say, we want to hear what you have to say. And the last thing that I I will say is, Nance, we would love to get some more diversity in the room and with women, and if you could help us bring some girls in and women in and and uh, people of color to share their experience as well, I am my arms are wide open and I will talk to you when we are off the air. But just remember, you make it happen. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you next week uh, on Facebook and YouTube. And in the meantime, we're still around on Zoom. So. Take care and be safe. And uh, by the way, just remember we're all in this together. Yes, we are. And uh, we are uh, now off the air. So ladies and gentlemen.